free agency day two winners and losers. I'm going to start with a winner here, Mike. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are an obvious winner, in my opinion. You get Tom Brady, yes, at $30 million per year. That, that figure doesn't matter to me. He makes you a Super Bowl contender. He makes this team a Super Bowl contender. It's, it's good news for Tampa Bay. It's good news for Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard. I mean, this team is a lot better with Tom Brady. They are obvious winners in this situation. I don't know. So I don't know if it's actually good news for the two guys you mentioned there, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like, they heaved it up last year. If you're talking about just their stats – their stats mm-hmm. were going to look better with Jameis Winston. Like th- they were going to throw more with Jameis Winston. They were going to throw deeper with Jameis Winston. He was going to target receivers more. Yes. Uh, you know, they're not going to Bruce Arians isn't going to completely modify his offense, but I do think you'll see, you'll see Tom Brady targeting OJ Howard a lot more than Jameis Winston did last year. You'll see him targeting Cameron Brait probably a lot more than Jameis Winston did last year. And they might even bring on the rumor. Now Antonio Brown into the mix. Tom Brady, uh, you know, in Rapport said that Brady himself was in the talks with the team saying that he wanted to bring Brown with wherever he was going, which crazy to me. Wow. I mean, Antonio Brown is crazy in his own right, but that, that thought is crazy to me, but that would be a stacked, stacked wide receiving core, a little bit different from what he had over there in new England, man, that would be honestly fantastic. If, if Antonio Brown can play 16 games, but hell, if he can play 10 games, this I mean, is a, this is a totally different playoffs. Yeah. yeah. All you I, I mean, it's just, it's such an improvement for them. And I think Chris Godwin already plays a ton in the slot. You mix Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin in and out of the slot there. I think that three, that trio of receivers with Mike Evans, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin would be very, very impressive. I still think they probably need to add a piece there. I think the slot receiver right now, if they brought back Rashad Perriman, it'd be a combination of him and Godwin. But I, I, I do think they need to add a few more pieces to really push for a Super Bowl. maybe a guy in the slot and then maybe some more pass rush help on the defensive side of the ball, Shaq Barrett. Yes, they tagged him, but Dama Kong Su is a free agent. Jason Pierre Paul brought back, but I still think they need some help as a, in the pass rushing department in order to kind of really push for a Super Bowl. But I do still still see them as winners, obvious winners. Adding Tom Brady makes them from a non-playoff team to a Super Bowl contender. Uh, Mike, give me your winner. Yeah, I'll say we'll get to them later as one of the picks most affected by free agency. I have a take on that that you'll probably want to hear. All right, I'll get to my first winner, though. I'm going to go with, so I hate the free agency because there's a lot of winners. If you've got a new player who's a good player, you probably like that's in, in a vacuum a win. The money can always usually be worked around. But I do think money wise, this one, Brian Balaga, the, tack, the tackle from it went to the from the Packers to the Chargers. Three years, $30 million is an absolute steal for how good he is when healthy. Now, the one healthy part is kind of a big deal. But he's played 30 games over the last two years. Yes, he's missed halves of some of those games, and he's kind of been on a lot of injury reports and whatnot, and he does have a lengthy injury history. But you're talking about he got the same amount of money as George Fant, who doesn't even was like never at any point in his career a good offensive tackle. He got the same money as Eric Flowers, who was a serviceable guard last year. Like the money part there is crazy to me because over those next three years, he's not old, you know, he's in his early thirties. He's not on the decline from that perspective. Yes. If he's, he could still have injuries and has that injury history, but if he's healthy on the football field, this guy's better than any of the other tackles that were on the market. Sands, maybe Anthony Costanzo, but I think in his prime, like both healthy, I'd still rather have Balaga in that conversation. So a very good deal for the chargers. Although he does go to the place where everyone gets hurt. So maybe not the best deal, but we'll see. I mean, if you think about it, Eric Flowers got the same deal. I mean, 10 million average per year. And would you rather have Eric Flowers or Brian Bulaga, a guy who plays a better position, who's a better player, regardless of even if you kick him in the guard? I mean, 
it's a very smart deal for the lot, you know, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Also, I'm not super upset with them not tacking the quarterback position in free agency. I think they can roll with Tyrod Taylor and potentially add Jalen Hurts in the draft on day two and mold their offense to kind of be that. Improving the offensive line makes that offense better. Where are you right now with the Los Angeles Chargers and their quarterback situation? Yeah, I mean, I think they should be in the Cam Newton trade talks. Like they should be okay. front runners in that trade talks because I mean, he's a similar of a similar vein in terms of if you really do like you know a Jalen Hurts in the draft, which like rumored they're one of the teams that do. If you're a fan of his game, and Anthony Lynn obviously you know was offense coordinator back in Buffalo for half a season with Tyrod Taylor and that offense under. Uh, you know, Greg Roman as well there. So he knows, uh, you know, how to use the quarterback as a rushing threat. Cam Newton can do that as well. And you're not going to then rely on, you know, Tyra Taylor who's had his issues and then Jalen Hurts, who's, you know, going to be a rookie this year. You have a guy who's NFL ready uh, and has played at the highest level at the quarterback position that we've seen. So uh, I do think they should be in the Cam Newton sweepstakes at QB. That would be interesting. And I think it does allow you to still have Tyrod Taylor's backup potentially at Jalen Hurts because that offense will be fit to all of their strengths. Obviously, Cam Newton, the best of yeah. that bunch. All right, let's move forward here. I have another winner. And I highlighted him as a winner on our Monday podcast. They're a winner again, Las Vegas Raiders. They added Corey Littleton, I think, at a modest average per year. I, I don't think they overspend for him. It's a position where it's easy to overspend. You saw that with linebackers in last year's free agency with Quan Alexander and C.J. Mosley. But I don't think they overspent for Corey Littleton. I think it was a smart deal for them. I think he's a good coverage linebacker, the best linebacker available in free agency. I'd rather have spent what they spent on him than what the New York Giants spent on Blake Martinez. I'll say that right now. And it was like to 12 million a year for Corey Littleton. Yep. Yeah. 12 million average per year for Corey Littleton. For Blake, it was 10 million average per year. And they also added contract details have yet to be reported, but they added Malik Collins, who I think inconsistent as a pass rusher, but he did have a career year. He is just 24 years old, turns 25 next month. I, I think Malik Collins is a good addition for the Raiders. Again, don't love the Jeff Keith signing. Don't love the Jason Witten signing, but those are one-year deals, flyer deals that aren't necessarily big money contracts. So I don't think the Vegas, you know, the Vegas Raiders overspend. I've said this before, how you lose in free agency is when you overspend in free agency. And I don't think the Raiders done that while also adding talent like Corey Littleton and Malik Collins. I don't know. We'll see what the Collins deal ends up being, but I agree him. So him Hargrave and DJ reader to me were the three guys you really wanted on the interior. If you're going to get a defensive tackle in free agency, those are the guys that could affect both run and pass the kind of disruptors. The other guys to me, we'll get to one of them was one of my losers later on. Uh, You could just miss me with the rest of the defense tackle class here in free agency, but I will get to my other winner here. First Colts, Phillip rivers, one year, $25 million deal. I love it from a lot of different perspectives. One, it's only, they only got him on a one-year deal. You know, you, you're not going to take any cap hit into 2021 if Phillip Rivers really is cooked. Like if his arm really is shot and he can't lead an NFL offense anymore, which at times in 2019, that's the way it looked. But uh, I just think it's such a massive upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. You have a defense that doesn't lose anybody from last year and only gains a piece in DeForest Buckner. Like the arrow is trending up a lot of different ways for this Colts team. They're really only going to lose maybe Eric Ebron from last year's squad uh, and have a lot of youth along both offense and defense that, you know, the arrow could be only tilting upwards for those guys. So yeah, this Colts team, this was a move that they had to make. And for a modest, like I said, one year deal to, if it does, Philip Rivers does, you know, prove that he doesn't have it anymore. You're not going to be ruining 2021. 
And I think I'm really excited about Phil Rivers to Indianapolis. He's going to play behind the best offensive line he's ever played behind in his career. And also, I think he's excited about the move. T.Y. Hilton's there. I think they could afford to add some weaponry moving forward. They don't have that first-round pick to do so after trading for DeForest Buckner, which I still think is a head-scratching move in my opinion. I mean, trading the first-round pick, the number 13 overall pick, for a player like DeForest Buckner, who does not play a position of high value, like receiver, offensive tackle, et cetera, just concerns me. Because if you are in this win now mode with Phillip Rivers, you need receiving talent. You need, you, there's more, there's areas of higher value with needs that made more sense for a trade. I think it would have made more sense for Stefan Diggs or some of these other guys that were available. DeAndre Hopkins, if he's coming for a second <laughs> round pick, I mean, where's the loss? So, dude, yeah, that would have, if, if, I'd be like, if, half the GMs around the NFL knew that that deal was about to go down. They would have picked up their phone and been like, Bill, come on, I'll give you a little bit more. Like I'll, I'll throw in yeah, a third or something that, that just that had to take some people by surprise there. Cause that was absurd. All right, let's get to the losers here. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a loser because they spent big in phrase. Trey Wayne's a three year, $42 million contract. And I know you love DJ reader four years, 53 million. And he has not been a premier pass rusher in the NFL. Great against the run but it's not been that premier pass rusher did have a career year this past year, but like two players that I think are good, not great. Trey Wayne's I'd even put into the bad category and you're paying them a lot of money on multi-year deals, 20 million. I think guaranteed for Trey Wayne's a lot of money thrown at guys that I don't think really, really move the needle for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's the thing. It's like, if you pay, if you outlay this much cash and $14 million a year, someone like Trey Wayne's is outlaying a lot of cash. Yeah. You better have gotten better at that position. Like you better have that peace of mind that, Hey, we've upgraded significantly from what we had last year. And I'm, and like Trey Waynes was the Vikings version of Dre Kirkpatrick. Like that dude yeah. uh, is very inconsistent. Yes. He has speed. Yes. He, you know, has not allowed you know, like a super high completion percentage against over the course of his career, but he'll get, he gets beaten deep his fair share. He is far from a lockdown cornerback. And like I said, if you're just adding him, uh, and, you know, and moving Drake Kirkpatrick out the door for, you know, to pay more to add Trey Wayne's. I'm not sure you're really making this va- massive upgrade. Like I would have rather paid the four or $5 million more a year and known you're getting someone like Byron Jones in free agency than to sign someone like Trey Wayne's. All right. Give me your loser. I will go with the guy I alluded to earlier, the defense tackle class, Jordan Phillips, Arizona Cardinals, three years. $30 million. And I get that Arizona, has, Arizona has no one on the interior. Mm-hmm. They really have no interior pass rush whatsoever. It was a problem for them last year. It looks like it's going to be a problem for them heading into 2020. But like, there's a reason why Jordan Phillips went to uh, the Buffalo Bills last year for absolutely nothing. It's because he's not been good at any point over the course of his career. He had 10 sacks last year, but only 25 total pressures uh, on over 300 pass rushing snaps. One of the lowest pass rushers. <laughs> pass wash, rushing win rates, excuse me, of any defense tackle, any starting defense tackle in the NFL. Like he lucked into these sacks. Was no one watching him? Like you can watch this guy's his whole season and see if he's actually disrupting. Like he was not. He had a pass rushing grade below 60. I'd be like, I'm taking crazy pills here. He just wasn't worth three years, 10 million. There were three years, 10 those million 10, per. Those 10, years, the double digit sack numbers, the double digit sack numbers get GMs hot and bothered. I'll tell you that right now. This gets people excited. But you look at, even if you didn't even turn on the tape, 25 total pressures and 10 sacks. That pressure to sack conversion rate is just absurd. Yeah. Like unsustainable. Have, like legit. Might have two sacks next year. Yeah. That, I don't know why bad. people are All losing right. their mind for these DTs. Is the is like the thing that's blowing, like Leonard Williams, Jordan Phillips, these guys aren't they're not needle movers. Like they're not yeah. 
they're not affecting their oppo- their respective defenses that much. I don't know. It's Jordan just Butler, I think, got paid recently as well. And I, yeah, I, again, it's million. very confusing. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and jump to my loser here, the New York Giants. Blake Martinez at $10 million average per year. Bradbury at 15 average per year. And they tag Leonard Williams. Like, these were three moves that you're just paying a lot of money for players that do not move the needle, that are not up there with the best at their position. And I, I think there's some flash that you've seen in Martinez. There's some flash you've seen in Bradbury, but both of those guys are not consistent high-end players. I think they overspent. Again, it comes back to this. How you lose in free agency is overspending. And I think they overspent on Bradbury, Martinez, and the tag for Williams just didn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean we can pile on all day here. If we want the, the Giants sort of their plan to the draft and free agency, but dude, again, the Bradbury conversation comes back to like the Byron Jones. You pay 2 million less a year to get a guy who's not close to the same player. Like you yeah. get a, a guy who not even and, 2 million less. I think it was 16 and a half. I think one and a half million less. Oh, it's like that absurd. Like that's so absurd to me. And the other thing is people are going to quote James Bradbury and the fact they tracked Uh, a lot of the receivers, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Mike Evans in the NFC South. But what they're not going to say is it's because on the other side, you had Dante Jackson, who was 5'11", 180 and ran a 4'3". They don't have that in New York. They have another guy on the other side who runs a 5'4", 5'5", something, uh, and is this almost the exact same type of corner as James Bradbury is in DeAndre Baker. James Bradbury with less length. Like DeAndre Baker is like a very physical guy, you know, hits at the top of the routes and stuff like that, but he's slow. And he's going to get beat because he's slow. And that, that's concerning for me. I mean, James Bradbury has length and that bails him out. Very similar to other longer corners that don't have great top speed. But DeAndre Baker doesn't have that length and is struggling as a result. We saw him get toasted on a handful uh, uh, in a handful of games this past year. He improved down the stretch, but still struggled mightily. All right. Moving thing, forward like here, your last. If you have now a wide receiver that you're going up against that is like that can run at all you're kind of screwed because you have two slow cornerbacks trying to match up against them. I mean, you, you, there's a route Calvin Ridley runs against James Bradbury that like highlights all of his concerns. He doesn't get him at the press and then he just toasts him with all of the route running that Calvin Ridley is able to do. Like I, I think that's what James Bradbury is. If he misses you at the line of scrimmage, if those big wings don't get you at the line of scrimmage, he's in a bad, he's in a bad place and, and it leads to some bad production. All right. Your last loser of the group. All right. My last loser is the Jets offensive line. And yes, they were bad last year along the offensive line. But again, I'm not sure they got much better. You re-signed Alex Lewis, who at no point over the course of his career has been a good offensive lineman for, I think it was like two years, $16 million, which whatever, like or three years, $18 million, excuse me. So $6 million a year. That's not even starter money. Like he's de- backup depth that you can rely on, whatever. Like I don't, I'm not going to hate too much on that move, but then you signed George Fant wasn't even a starter on a Seahawks oh, offensive line last year. <laughs> so the same, like I said, the same deal Brian Belaga got three years, $30 million. Yes. He's athletic. Yes. He's supposedly has the mindset for offensive line, but wow. that doesn't lead to good pass protection. I think Sam Darnold's going to find that out the hard way. And then they signed Connor McGovern, who probably is the best of the bunch for three years, $27 million. He actually was coming on back in 2019 before they forced him to switch to center. So this, that, that move, I, I, can get on board with, but the other two, like I'm, you didn't really upgrade. Uh, yeah. you, uh, yes, they, George I think they Vance, made moves, three but, years, 30 million. The same contract that Brian Bulaga got is absolutely absurd. Like George Fant is not a better player than Bulaga. I don't even care about Bulaga's injury history. Like that is again, another move that is a huge, and, a huge head scratcher. 
and sometimes you see guys who are so like when they're right off their rookie deals when they're 25 26 like teams are paying you know you say don't pay for future performance pay for or don't pay for past performance you pay for future performance so if you're signing a guy it's like a six-year deal and it's 10 million per and you're it's george fan you think the arrow is pointing upwards whatever so be it you have you have like six years of this guy who by the end of it could be cheap uh and you're not gonna you know sign someone like brian balaga for six years but it's the same length of time the way all yeah. tackles are playing in the NFL in terms of pass protection, guys like Andrew Whitworth, Jason Peters, uh, even you know Anthony Costanzo, guys are playing into their mid thirties with qual- like playing quality football. Yeah, it, like you're over that same length of the deal. Brian Balaga is going to outperform George Fant every single ten out of ten times if he's on the football field healthy. Uh, so that's that to me is like the weirdest thing here is that it's it's a short term deal. You're not paying like this. This isn't this long term sort of like let's project this guy with traits that you know we're going to get, be getting a steal by year three. No, it's still uh, short, and I'd be surprised if he makes it through three years on that deal. I mean, you got the Giants and the Jets both highlighted as losers right now. That is that is a huge concern. I mean, that doesn't get much worse for New York right now. All right, let's pivot to the next segment here, the picks, the 2020 NFL draft picks, most affected by the free agency moves. I think you want to start off here with who's still available, who's still available to kind of affect things. Chris Harris Jr., the former Denver Broncos cornerback that's played a ton in the slot. He's also done some shadowing, played outside. I think his best fit is in the slot. He's a top 25 free agent, free agent when it, before all this started. Robbie Anderson, the deep threat from the New York Jets. He's another guy that's going to move the needle for an offense when he does sign. And you have Jadavion Clowney, who I don't love, but was a top 25 free agent going into this mix here. And Jadavion Clowney, great against the run, an edge defender presence, a guy that will start for a team in the NFL next year. And you also have Chris Jones, the Kansas City Chiefs, defensive tackle, potential trade candidate. Anthony Harris uh, also got tagged, another trade candidate. And I think Joe Tooney. I throw Joe Tooney in that as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if if the Patriots are going to keep him long-term after tagging Joe Tooney. So there still are some big dominoes to fall. Yeah, those are, but that's, but every other top 25 free agent heading into this is basically accounted for at this point. So yep. we kind of know like Tooney, if Tooney gets traded, guard's not going to move the needle in terms of need in the first round. Yep. Some of these other guys, uh, you know, Chris Harris might not necessarily move the needle, Anthony Harris, but uh, so I think we have a good handle in terms of where the first round could shake out from a need perspective at this point. But the bulk I, majority so. of the needle moving signings have been done. And that with that being moved. said, the needles have been moved. Finalized. The needles yes. have been moved. All right, let's start with the number four overall pick, the New York Giants. We just highlighted them as a loser, but we kind of get a better understanding of where they're going to go in free agency after them signing James Bradbury to a monster deal. I think it was three years, $45 million, 15 uh, 15 million average per year. They're not going Jeffrey Akuda at four yeah. overall. You can't afford to bench DeAndre Baker in favor in favor of Jeffrey Akuda, and you don't want to kick him into the slot because that's where he's not going to play his best football. So you're going to have James Bradbury and DeAndre Baker starting opposite of each other. You also have Beal there. I don't think yes, they're going Jeffrey Akuda at four. Yeah, I think that means no Jeffrey Okuda. I, I don't think the Blake Martinez signing, though, crosses Isaiah Simmons off their board, you know, considering what they have. Jeez, it better not. Yeah, <laughs> considering what else they have there at linebacker for them. So uh, I, I do think that uh, that's probably, but like I said, it's probably no more Jeffrey Okuda. It's either going to be, it looks like it's either going to be offensive tackle because they still have Mike Remmer starting at one of their tackle positions, offensive tackle or uh, Isaiah Simmons at number four overall. And I'm honestly leaning towards offensive tackle or, but I mean, I, I think Isaiah Simmons would be the smarter pick 
than where they're probably going to go. I think that I'm going to see them go probably Mackay Becton. However, if they went Tristan Wirfs at four overall, I'm not nearly as upset as if they go Mackay Becton at four. Yeah, I, I'm not going to hate on tackle, like, but they're in a position where I would take nearly anything to trade back. Like, I would you, yeah. you want to give me a fourth rounder to trade back to number nine overall? Yes, like even though that doesn't even come close to the pick value chart because of how close these tackles are in my mind. Uh, this isn't a this isn't a quarterback situation either, where it's like you have your guy. And the incremental difference between, you know, that one year with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, like people were saying, Browns just trade back and grab whoever's the best guy at four. It's like, no, you kind of, the eval at that position is a little different than it is at offensive tackle when there's a handful of guys who all look like they have the tools to develop into being very good. So yeah, I take anything to trade back. To be fair, they won't. Uh, to yeah. just to be clear, they will not be trading back. Gettleman never has, so uh, they'll draft. That would be one of the more shocking moves of the offseason. This is if they did indeed trade back, because you know everyone yeah. says it for the same reason. Dave Gettleman has not traded back. He's never traded back. We don't see him trading back from fourth overall. But if he just stays put and takes his favorite offensive tackle in this class, I do think he's doing the Giants a disservice because there are so many, I think, top fifteen caliber tackles in this class. And I, again, just a concern. For me. All right, let's jump to the next pick here that was affected by Frenzy. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. Maybe not going off to tackle after signing Brian Bulaga, but maybe going all in on one of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, whether it's Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. I, man, I think so. Like, I don't see how you could roll in with Tyrod Taylor next year and and look your fan base. It's one of those things where it's like, I I don't want them to, but like, you can't look your fan base in the eye if you're rolling in with a guy who has been just a backup elsewhere. Uh, and saying, oh, yeah, like this is our best option. You let, you know, Philip Rivers walk out the door just unimpeded. I don't yeah. know. Like, I, I just I don't see how you could feasibly do that. All right, let's jump to number seven. I already talked this one on the solo pod, the, the one for one drafts podcast. But the uh, Carolina Panthers not going after a quarterback at seven. I don't think they should. I mean, t- signing Teddy Bridgewater to as much as they did, I think three years, 63 million with 40 million guaranteed over the first two years of that contract. Like, I don't think they're comfortable grabbing Jordan Love or Justin Herbert and letting him sit or compete with Teddy when he is, you know, has that so much money on the books. I think they're going in a different direction at seven. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think if you have Teddy Bridgewater, 20 million a year is real money. You're, you're just out this QB game and that's fine. Like you're number seven overall. You might not have even gotten to one of those top guys. So uh, I, I just think that kind of scratches that off the board for them. Probably. Where do you think they go? I was going to say, they got to be the ones hoping that Jeffrey Okuda starts to fall for them. Uh, something like that, because that would be a really nice fit. Someone, him or Isaiah Simmons seem like the you know best sort of case scenarios for them at this point. Yeah, I think Isaiah Simmons would be awesome. I think if he does slip to seven, gets past the Giants at four, I, I would be very happy if I was a Panthers fan of Isaiah Simmons at seven got to me. All right, let's jump to the Arizona Cardinals probably thinking no wide receiver with the trade for DeAndre Hopkins. However, I do love the idea of CD lamb, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald in the slot. It's hard to hate it. However, I do think there are more pressing needs at offensive tackle, but you said it in that article, do not draft for need draft for value. Is it better value to go after a CD lamb at eight or to grab one of these offensive tackles? I I think they just got to go OT. Like you have just nothing at right tackle right now and you can't roll in with nothing. Uh, Like you, you need your franchise is Kyler Murray. And as much as I'd love, you know, I'd love for them to get a wide receiver there at the top. Like one of those guys could be game changers and pairing him with Deandre Hopkins would be just incredible to watch. 
you still got to pass. You still got to give him some time, uh, Kyler Murray back there. So uh, I think with how good the tackle class is, you're probably just going to be seeing them go off and tackle. All right, jumping to pick number eleven. Are, are, are they are they not going to go after an offensive tackle after signing George Fant three years, thirty million dollars? I don't think so. I, I, I can't imagine. I still think they need help at both offensive tackle positions. This offensive tackle class, like you just said, for the Cardinals is just too good to kind of pass up at eleven overall, especially if a guy like Tristan Wurst, Jedrick Wills, or Andrew Thomas falls to eleven. Yeah, I mean they still have Chumay Doga. He was a third rounder last year that I liked, and he did start a little bit before he got hurt there uh, for them. So they don't have to go OT here. It's kind of how I'd say that, you know, the signing of George Fant, what that does for them. But I still think they'd be, it would behoove them to go OT with how bad that, you know, with how, with how little that's actually helping, uh, you know, the George Fant addition there. So I, I do think they, they have other options. They could go wide receiver here if someone like Judy or Lamb is still there. I do think, though, and we've said this before, that like, like you said, you said you kind of finished it there. Like Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb are going to be better, more valuable players at the 11th overall spot if both are available. Uh, yes, yeah. you could go after an offensive tackle, but Judy and CeeDee Lamb, better players in this class. I, I, I would not be, if they do want to roll in with Chuma Doga and George Fant, it's not going to be pretty, but adding a Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb does improve that offense significantly. Yeah. All right. Raiders. I, I, I love what they've done in frenzy, filling a glaring need at off ball linebacker with Corey Littleton and Nick Winkowski. They do not have to force need at 12 and 19. I said this, they didn't have to force it before they signed those guys adding Kenneth Murray or Patrick queen at 12 or 19, I think would have been reach a reach. I don't see the value that high in the draft. I think there are other players that will be available of higher value, but now they definitely don't need, don't need to address it in the first round. They could go after a cornerback they can go after wide receiver to still needs for them, but also going to be better value and, and, and BPA still available for 12 and 19. That is the thing. This is like their only two needs at this point is corner and wide receiver. Like they got a zillion safeties on the roster. Now I have two starting linebackers. They drafted and signed now a bunch of defensive linemen in recent years. So that, I mean, you can obviously always add defensive linemen and they don't have necessarily the most quality defensive linemen on the roster, but they have options there. So it really comes and down they to added just, Malik Collins. Yeah, exactly. So, so like they've thrown in a bunch of resources at that D line. Uh, so it's wide receiver, it's cornerback. I, if they hit on some home runs, this team is closer than it seems pretty close. Like this team last off season, I questioned some of their signings, but this year I think they've been hitting some of these signings out the park in terms of what they're uh, getting back for their, you know, bang for their buck sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think if you get, if lamb or Judy falls to them at 12 slam dunk on one of those guys being the pick there. Uh, and then maybe, you know, someone, someone like CJ Henderson, on the, you know, yes. at number 19, they could completely remake this roster uh, even more so than they did last offseason. I saw in Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks live Twitter mock, Jeffrey Akuda fall to 12. If Jeffrey oh. Akuda falls to 12, which I don't think Fuck. is likely, but if he does, then you're able to add Jeffrey Akuda at 12 and at 19, say you grab, it doesn't even matter at that point, the best receiver available, maybe CeeDee Lamb falls that far, Denzel Mims. Jalen Rager, like you're talking about a significant win for the Las Vegas Raiders. I also say this, if you can't get a CUDA at 12, which I don't think they will, C.J. Henderson at 19 sounds absolutely fantastic for the Las Vegas Raiders, a very athletic cornerback to come in, high-character guy. I know they get love character. Another thing I, met, I saw when Mike Mayock did the broadcast at the Combine, he said, you know, he's talking about his first year as a GM and those things, and he talked about grades. He said, we swung and missed 
on free agents this past year. And he said something along the lines of we can't afford to do that again. I think he's taking more of the reins in Las Vegas and saying, hey, we're not throwing money at Tahir Whitehead. We're not throwing money at these other guys. We need to go find free agents, sign them to make modest deals that Phil needs for us. Don't break the bank for guys that we aren't sure are for sure things. And I think that's exactly what they've done this offseason. Very impressed with what, what with the Las Vegas Raiders have done. Can they still screw up the draft? Go Cleveland Furl on us? Sure. However, I, right- I don't so I don't know if they can though. Like that's the thing. It's when you look at their needs wide receiver and cornerback, like it's so deep at both those positions. I'm not sure they can fuck this one up. Like they're, they're, they, they're going to get like realistically screw this up at 12 and 19. What would they do? I guess if you really, oh man, who's like a wide receiver. If you went for like Caleb on chase on at 12, you're like, you've still oh, made pass rush. I don't think that's going to happen, but like that. And then 19, you just overdraft uh, some wide out. What would be a guy who just like wouldn't fit? It would be redundant for them. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think T Higgins would be a great fit with Derek Carr. Maybe, but I don't. I don't even know if they're planning on if Carr's in their long term plans. But I, I, like I said, I don't think they can really screw this up. Like they're going to get a quality wide receiver with one of those picks, and they're probably going to get a quality corner with the other. All right. Number three, I, I was thinking there's a way they I don't know if it necessarily screws things up, but do they, if a quarterback falls to 12 or 19, if they go after a Jordan Love or a Jalen Hurts, apparently they love Jalen Hurts. Reports are saying okay, they that love Jalen Hurts. Can you imagine? Jalen Hurts would be fucking nuts, man. Yeah. All right. Let's jump to 13. No longer the Colts pick. Obviously, that one affected the San Francisco 49ers will draft at 13th overall after trading away DeForest Buckner, which, again, I've highlighted as a fantastic move for them. Getting that value after getting plus play from DeForest Buckner since drafting him, getting that value back with a first round pick, the 13th overall pick. I think it was great business by the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know how much I love the move for the Colts, but let's talk the San Francisco 49ers at 13. I yes. think the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be getting a receiver. After that, I think they get the best of either Judy or CD Lamb. Yeah, that's the thing. This one looks like another pick that looks wide receiver. And because Emmanuel Sanders, by all indications, looks gone and how many, how well they hit on Debo Samuel last year, but don't really have too much else of the position. So take advantage of a deep class, like you said, whichever one of Judy Lamb are there, or maybe even Henry Ruggs uh, in that offense could just do damage, you know, with Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan. Could you see another position for them? Maybe corner. I think, I mean, they do need help at cornerback. I, I think CJ Henderson is a name that comes up. Maybe Christian. That, Bolton. I don't know. And so if Okuda, like you said, does fall to wherever you had him fallen in the mock draft. Yes. Obviously you take advantage of that. But to me, that, that pick at the end of the first round, still 31 yep. makes far more sense to address corner uh, for them. And if they are going to address corner, wherever they do feel like, uh, they need to go after that, but wide receiver makes just the way this whole class is shaking out with OTs, you know, fixing to come off the board early wide receiver makes too much sense there. All right. 14 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are they just locked in the offensive tackle? How's this going? Cause I mean, they, that's the yeah. he's now in. That's the take that I had earlier that I'm just like, yes, you have other needs defensively, but you don't have a right tackle on Demar Dotson is gone wasn't that good last year even. And you're in this offense now that's unlike anything Brady's done over the course of his career in terms of he's not get the ball out in his hand, out of his hand in two seconds. It's get the ball, drop back a few steps and then let those guys get open down the football field. And if they're not, you're kind of, you might not have that check down that you had in new England all the time. So 
pass protection better be damn good. If there's not much left to address in free agency, they're not going to be able to get a guy there. It better be, they might even be players in terms of one of the teams looking to move up in this draft because of how tight their window is right now, because, you know, it is the next, whatever, one, two years, however long Brady's feasible. So they better be going up and getting him some pass protection or else that investment might uh, go down the drain quicker uh, with some injuries there. That's a good call out. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to move up for an offensive tackle to kind of like take advantage of that window is definitely a likely possibility, something they might have to do if they actually want to go chase a ring with Tom Brady. All right. Number 18, the Dolphins no longer in on CJ Henderson after adding Byron Jones and they have Xavier Howard. I think that makes sense. We talk about don't draft for need, but you also need a clear, you know, a clear path to playing football. I think CJ yeah. Henderson is not going to do start saving for Byron. He's not, you don't draft cornerback knowing you're going to be sitting him on the bench for the first year. I think they're going to be going in a different direction. I will say, I would love it if they still drafted C.J. Henderson, like fit for that defense makes a ton of sense. He can play, he can kick inside to the slot and nickel, as we said, is, you know, base defense nowadays. So he'd still play 700 snaps next year. If they do draft him in the first round, which is a lot of more than a lot of defensive tackles that you're going to be signing are going to be playing in the, if you drafted them in the first round. So I'm not going to hate it. They do. But I think realistically, when you have two of the highest paid cornerbacks in the NFL, uh, just team building wise, adding another first round pick at that, at that position, you might have fans start to question some of your deal. So this is another team that uh, offensive tackle looks likely for them off because, you know, they sign Eric flowers, but that's for the guard. Uh, I don't think they have any plans of kicking him back out to tackle and, you know, reliving the giants uh, nightmare. So I, I do think that this is another team that looks poised to take advantage of the offensive attack class, the Josh Jones at number 18 is going to be my fit for them. Probably make the most sense for them. If Josh Jones gets by the Bucks at 14, I mean, I think that I think now it seems more and more likely that Josh Jones could go to the Bucks at mm-hmm. 14, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins address that 18th overall selection. I agree with you. I, they don't have to go CJ Henderson, but I, I, uh, I mean, they don't, uh, they no longer have to go to CJ Henderson, but he does make sense from a fit standpoint in terms of playing in that, in that defense. Um, Moving to the Bills at number 22. They're no longer picking there. It's now the Minnesota Vikings. Trading Stephon Diggs for that 22nd overall pick. Are they going receiver? Are they going to quickly replace that need for Stephon Diggs? Have to, right? This makes, like, you're not going not to throw Laquan Treadwell out there, are you? I guess they're Ola B.C. Johnson again BC, next to Adam Thielen. I mean, you could, you could run every single snap, but then why are you paying Kirk Cousins the most money of any cornerback in the NFL and extending yeah. him? So... Yes, I think at 22, uh, even at what 25, the other, or other pick, they could go. They could go back to back wideouts like that. Wouldn't even I wouldn't even hate on that with how deep this wide receiver like class is. So, I do think that Minnesota pencil in one of those two picks now. Not pencil in. You could put in pen. One of those two picks going to be a wide receiver. Denzel Mims and Jalen Rager at the back end of the first Ooh. round would be would be pretty pretty fantastic. They, they move a little bit. They're a little bit quicker than. Laquan, you got a little yeah. more speed, <laughs> add some speed, add some explosiveness. Cause I mean, Adam Thielen, great rounder and great route runner is not bringing that same level of explosiveness that Rager and Denzel Mims bring to the table. I like a double dip at the back end of the first round. The only team in that has two picks in the 20 to 30 range that could double dip where I think there's a ton of value in the receiving class. I really do like that for the Vikings. All right. 23 quarterback. Are they going to go quarterback? 
I don't think so, though. I, I don't think there's going to be a good enough quarterback at 23 to where they're going to be pulling the trigger. I think I Jordan think they're going to either this is the spot Jordan Love comes off the board. You don't see this being the spot Jordan Love comes off the board. I think this I is where know. I think this is Jordan Love. Really? I, I don't know. I think the Pats. Well, what's your take? I said this on the free agency live today. What's your take on Jameis Winston to the New England Patriots? I think Bill Belichick would commit suicide by the end of the year. That's my take. I don't like there's no way you can go from Tom Brady to Jameis Winston uh, as a head coach and not just like retire. Is Jordan Love going to be better? I don't know. He doesn't need that headache. Yeah, I don't know. I, if I, like, Love's going to be that much better. They, they apparently have a plan. Like there's apparently a plan in New England. And judging from their Her offseason, report? like, yes, yeah, that's the reports. Is that like this was part of the plan? Like Brady, they were never going to give him a real offer. Like they were always going to not lowball him, but not, not, uh, not do the Derek Jeter sweetheart year that he sweetheart deal that he got with the Yankees at the end of his career. It's like, well, yeah, we'll give you all the money you want. Just be a, be a Patriot for life sort of deal. And they were never going to do that. And then they have a, they had a contingency plan. They had a plan B reports where it might've been Nick Foles. I hope that's not the plan oh, B. My God. <laughs> that that should be plan D or, D or E, but I, I, they apparently have a plan. I think it, at this point, looks like it's either tank or, I mean, maybe they fall in love with the guy like Jordan Love. I would rather I tank. Stop saying fall in love with Jordan Love. I said that like a thousand I would, times. I would rather tank than grab Jordan Love. However, I think you can do both. I think you I was going to say, that's not a bad tanking strategy is to draft Jordan Love. You might not win a lot of games if he starts next year. I actually don't hate that strategy the more. I think about it. Draft Jordan Love at 23, start him all 16. And if you do end up with the number one, number two pick, go grab yourself Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. If you find a way to make this quarterback work, if you get that high end that everyone speaks to about Jordan Love out of him, then you you have a good quarterback on your roster. I, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I don't hate it. All right. Number 29, last pick that we're going to highlight here is Tennessee Titans, probably not going after an edge defender after what they've done in free agency. Yes. Uh, I think uh, Vic Beasley, while he's not good and has been good for a while, uh, they paid him almost $10 million. And if you pay him almost $10 million, he's probably going to be there slotted across from Harold Landry on that roster. So I don't think they go edge. The, uh, the other position I actually wanted to highlight was 30 to the Packers. They don't, I like what they did in terms of they signed a tackle and they signed a linebacker and for agency. So like people have been mocking Kenneth Murray there to them at 30. Um, I don't think they have to go. They can take advantage of the wide receiver class too, and not be worried about not getting one of the better linebackers in this draft class as well. So both those teams, both playoff contenders, both kind of glossed over neat positions that might've been draft needs that they might've had to shoehorn themselves into that. Now they don't have to. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake for the Green Bay Packers to go like, let's say, Kenneth Murray, Murray over some of the receivers that should be available at thirty, like a Denzel Mims, Rager, T. Higgins. Like, <laughs> don't give me, don't get, get me hot about Denzel Mims. If they get Denzel Mims, I'm gonna lose. Gonna, it'll be like Jair Alexander all over again. Oh man, little... getting excited, Mike, getting excited. All right, well, that's gonna do it for the Wednesday edition of the Two Four Drafts podcast. Really appreciate you coming on. We're um, coming on, listening in. You're welcome, Austin, for coming on. (laughs) We're going to do a Friday edition as well, where we kind of wrap up, give our final winners and losers, and continue to talk about the draft. But until then, this is Austin Gale, Mike Brenner, 2 for 1 Drafts.